Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. My name is M, and I want to talk about books and cats. So this is episode one of the Books and Cats podcast. Welcome. My name is M, and I've been a book lover since birth. I wrote my first book in second grade and have written quite a few since then. And I also enjoy writing book reviews, and I narrate audiobooks. So I live a pretty book-centric life. I also love cats. I think they're adorable and funny, and I have five of them, so I have plenty of stories about my cats. I'm also hoping that some of you will send me your stories about your cats, because I would love to share, and who doesn't like talking about their cats? Seriously. In this podcast, I want to talk about my favorite books. Some of them are going to have cats in them, and some of them won't. But I will try to always include some sort of cat story if the book does not involve cats. So for episode one, I had to go with a story that revolves entirely around cats. It's actually a short story that is placed in the middle of a longer novel. The novel is called 1Q84 by Haruki Murakami. And the short story I'm going to talk about today is called Town of Cats. So I first got into Murakami's writing uh, probably back in like 2012, 2013, somewhere in there. My sister actually gave me one of his shorter novels, What I Talk About When I Talk About Running, as a birthday gift, I believe. I was uh, training for a marathon at that point and also writing books, and that novel was really just so perfect for me at the time. I'm still a runner. I still really enjoy fitness. I obviously love writing and books. And he is just such a beautiful writer. His words are very well chosen. There's not a lot of extra fluff to what he's trying to say. It's all very short and simple. And somehow it just comes out absolutely beautiful. So needless to say, as soon as I read this book, I was immediately hooked on his style of writing. And the next book I picked was 1Q84. This book I listened to as an audiobook. It was fantastic, although sometimes a little confusing, as I think anyone who reads Murakami can understand. As a writer and a runner, this book really spoke to me, and his writing style was poetic but simple, and I loved it immediately. I'm not a fan of superfluous writing most of the time, So his short sentences and very clear descriptions were right up my alley, exactly what I'm looking for when I read a book. But he could also paint these beautiful pictures just using the simplest language. And I think that's really, I think that's a really amazing skill that is not easy to do. (laughs) So the next book I read of his was 1Q84, which is a mind-bending book and absolutely stunning. 
There's something about the way he crafts his words that is hauntingly beautiful and also incredibly lonely. You feel his words in your soul. Like that book created such a feeling while I was reading it that it was one of those ones where once it was done, you kind of couldn't quite shake it. You couldn't leave this strange, magical world that he has woven in this book. So in the middle of 1Q84 is a story, which I mentioned, Town of Cats, and it was actually published in The New Yorker by itself on September 5th, 2011. So this is the part of the novel that really stuck with me. I listened to this one as an audiobook, which was absolutely stellar, and this was the part of the novel that really stayed with me, and not just because I'm a cat lover, but just the way the story is told and the way it fits into the rest of the novel, I just, it was very profound. And it resonated with me and has stayed with me all these years. And when I started thinking about doing this podcast, this was a natural choice for the first episode. So let's talk about Town of Cats. Murakami is a big fan of cats. I don't know many authors who have so prolifically used cats in their work. I'm sure there are probably some. I know that there is a series of books uh, called The Warriors that involve cat people, but Murakami uses cats like no other. There's a quote about his writing in his first book, Hear the Wind Sing. I still remember well the days when I was writing my first novel at night with the cat on my lap and sipping a beer. The cat apparently didn't like me writing a novel and would often play havoc with my manuscript. I can't tell you how many times I have been working on a book or a play or whatever it is, and the cat just jumps up onto my keyboard, will not leave me alone. For some reason, they don't want my attention the rest of the day, but as soon as I'm in that creative flow and trying to write, that's when they're there. So I instantly related to him when I read that quote. So he did admit that this story was influenced by a book by Natsume Soseki, called I Am a Cat. It's an early 20th century novel where the narrator is a house cat. I put that on my to-read list, which is very long, but, you know, it's got a cat in it, so I might actually get to it. <laughs> so the story begins with Tango, who's the main character, and let me just say, I absolutely love that name. Um, he has no plans and can go anywhere and is considering, like, maybe taking a trip to the beach. Um, but at the train station, he realizes he already has a destination in mind, He's going to visit his father for the first time in two years. His father's at a sanatorium, and their relationship is very bad. The story goes into Tango's childhood and how he had to spend every Sunday with his father, who would go around and collect money from people that owed money to, I believe it was like a radio company, cable company, something along those lines. Um, but his father would go around collecting fees, and it wasn't to spend time with Tango that he made him go. It just made people more willing to pay their fees if a small child is standing there. And Tango really resented this the whole time. He went to school with other kids, and every week they'd come back, and you know their weekend plans were so much fun, and they had such a great time, and he could never participate. And he really felt alienated from his peers because of his father. He's embarrassed, and he compares himself to a trained monkey. Tango describes his father as having no intellectual curiosity. He didn't read, no willingness to deepen himself, no music, movies, trips. He was only interested in his collection route and how to make it more efficient. 
They were, quote, two separate human beings who had come from and were heading toward entirely different places. By chance, they had spent some years of life together. That was all. I think that pretty much sums up their relationship. Um, Tango's mother passed months after her birth, and the father will not speak of her. There are no pictures of her. But Tango knows that this is a lie. He has a memory from being a year and a half old of his mother next to his crib with another man. His first and only memory of his mother. He questions his parentage because he does not look like his father, and he believes that this other man may be his actual father. In fifth grade, he takes his first step toward freedom and refuses to join his father on any more Sundays. His father says he will no longer feed him and to get out. When he confesses his situation to his teacher, she goes to his father and makes him take him back. There are no more Sundays, and Tango feels free for the first time. Tango is the opposite of his father and curious about everything. He uses math and literature as means of escapism. Quote, he had been mistakenly locked in a cage, and someday his real parents would find him and rescue him. Then he would have the most beautiful, peaceful, and free Sundays imaginable. His father is jealous and demeans his schoolwork and academic accomplishments. Quote, it was not that Tango's father hated him as a person, but rather that he hated something inside Tango that he could not forgive. Okay, so now that we have some backstory, let's get to the town of Cats. This story is woven into the novel IQ84 as a story in a paperback that Tango brings on the train with him. The story is about a young man who travels freely by train and has no specific place to be. He goes where he wants, stays a night or two, and moves on. His freedom seems to counter Tango's childhood and indeed his life still. He has chosen to go see his father over a spontaneous trip to the beach. He still feels that he is not free. From the train, the young man spots a lovely river flowing through green hills and a pretty little town with an old stone bridge, and decides to stop there for a night. There are no workers at the station, and no one else gets off or gets on the train. It departs as soon as he steps off. He crosses the bridge into town, and it appears to be completely abandoned. Since the next train is not until the morning, he walks around the town to kill time. As the sun begins to set, a swarm of cats cross the bridge. They are big cats, much bigger than ordinary cats. The young man climbs to the top of the town's bell tower and hides. There is a full moon, and he can easily see what the cats are doing. The cats open up the shops and the hotel and settle in for a day's work. More cats come over the bridge and buy things at the shops, drink at the pubs, and eat at the restaurant. As dawn approaches, the cats finish their work, close up the shops, and head back across the bridge. The young man finds a bed to sleep in, eats scraps left over at the restaurant, and watches them from the bell tower at night. The train comes once in the morning and once in the afternoon. No one exits or enters. He could take it at any time, but he is curious. How and why did it become a town of cats? On the third night, the cats smell something human. It is impossible for humans to be there, but they search anyway. The young man is afraid. They have long, sharp claws and fangs. They find the source of the smell in the bell tower and climb to the top. But once there, they do not see him. Confused, they leave the bell tower. The young man does not understand how they did not see him, but he decides to leave on the morning train. When the train comes, it doesn't stop. It doesn't even slow down. It's as if they cannot see him. 
It doesn't stop in the afternoon, either. The sun is beginning to set, and he knows the cats are coming. And he suddenly knows that he is irretrievably lost. Quote, This is no town of cats, he realizes. It is the place where he is meant to be lost. It is another world, which has been prepared especially for him. And never again for all eternity would the train stop at this station to take him back to the world he came from. Tango finishes the story, lingering on the line, The Place He Is Meant to Be Lost. At the sanatorium, the nurse is curt with Tango. His appearance is poor and he has not called ahead. Also, he has not visited his father in two years, but she seems non-judgmental about that. That's normal where she works. When he sees his father, he describes the wreckage of his father. The toll two years can take, especially in old age or poor health. The man seems confused as to who Tango is, but Tango realizes slowly that it is not so. His father says, I have no son. And Tango says, What am I? And his father replies, Nothing. You are nothing. You were nothing, and you will be nothing. Cold and cruel, yet also true for all of us in the end. Indirectly, he admits that Tango's mother did not die. She left both of them for another man. He doesn't want to speak of it, and he asks Tango to read to him. He doesn't want to talk. Tango reads him Town of Cats, and he questions how it became a town of cats. Did everyone die? Then he says, When a vacuum forms, something has to come and fill it. That's what everybody does. And Tango finally sees what his father sees. He filled the parental void for Tango the best he could, while being a hurt and broken man. As he goes to leave, Tango turns for a final look at his father and is startled to see a tear running down his cheek. He has been understood, finally, in the end. Maybe that's all any of us need, to feel seen, heard, and understood, and to feel like what we did mattered in some way. I can't help but feel like this story really relates to what's going on in the world right now. I'm not going to be very topical on books and cats. We're going to keep it light. But the protests and the riots are just the product of pain and oppression and people not feeling heard or seen. And there's only so much that people can take. And it burrows deep inside you and can manifest in violent ways. Much like Tango's father's anger when he was a child, I think if we could all just pause and really try to listen without judgment and just say, I hear what you're saying, I understand, I see you, I think that's all people really need. And I think it would heal some of the wounds in this world. So about Town of Cats, Harakami said, This episode performs a symbolic function in the novel, in many different senses, the way a person wanders into a world from which he can never escape, the question of who it is that fills up the empty spaces, the inevitability with which night follows day. Perhaps each of us has our own town of cats somewhere deep inside. I was really impressed by just how much could be crammed into such a short story, Big themes of power, fear, feeling invisible, the inevitability of death, change, and the end to all things. This short story packs a heavy punch, while also involving a fanciful town populated by giant cats. What more do you want? In closing, 
I hope you enjoyed episode one. Please like, review, subscribe wherever you can listen to podcasts and follow the Books and Cats podcast on Instagram and Facebook or contact me at books.cats.pod at gmail.com if you have a book you'd like covered or want to tell me about your favorite book or cats. Any cat stories would be great, and I'll try to read them on future podcasts. Thank you so much. Keep reading.